And this is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve him. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus went out to a deserted place and prayed. And Simon and his friends hunted for him, saying, Everyone is searching for you. That part of our gospel really spoke to me this time around, right? Jesus has is, is gone through this sort of healing tour, and, and, and now he's getting ready for a preaching tour, and he just needs rest. He just needs a moment to clear his mind. And no sooner does he find himself in that place, right? In this case, he's, he finds himself out in a deserted place to, to sort of get himself ready for what lies ahead. And just, just as he settles in, what happens? The disciples come and hunt him down. Say, everybody's looking for you, right? And I can't say any more clearly, I get it, Jesus, right? It's like, it's like when I'm at home, working from home on a snow day, and I finally settle into the room, ready to, to start working, and there's a knock on the door. Hey, Dad, what are you up to? Hey, Dad, you working right now? Hey, Dad, what's going on? Dad, did you know that we didn't have breakfast yet? You should probably feed us lunch, too. Hey, what's for dinner tonight? You know? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I'm just going to sit here and watch you work. Is that cool? No, that's fine. I'm going to do it anyway. Right? Like, he is a request for a Lunchable away from my January this year, right? Like, if the disciples were like, hey, you got Lunchables in there, Jesus? Like, it would be one and the same. And the best advice I can give to Jesus, invest in a good pair of earplugs, right? It's the best investment ever make. Vicar Katie, great recommendation. Baller earplugs, these earplugs, so good. Highly recommend. But I feel for Jesus today, right? He is trying to do this work. He is busy. He's reminding us of the purpose of his work, that he is here for one thing and one thing alone, to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the nearness of the kingdom of God. And what we're going to see very quickly is this proclamation is not limited to preaching. In fact, it's going to be far beyond that act of proclamation through word. It's actually going to go through action itself. Because we're going to see time and time again how our actions are likewise a bold proclamation of God's good news. But as I prepared to preach the sermon this week, as I prepared myself to do that work of proclamation, I couldn't help but keep going back to the proclamation that we hear first in Isaiah. 
through the prophet Isaiah, you have this sort of recurring theme that sort of weaves its way throughout. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Are the words of the prophet. And as I settled with those words, I, I wondered how those words echo through our gospel today, right? The disciples running to Jesus saying, have you, have you not known, have you not heard? Simon's mother-in-law is sick, you gotta come and help us. And that's what Jesus does. He leaves behind the synagogue at Capernaum and he goes into the household here. In other words, he shifts from the public sphere to the private sphere. And upon entering the room, he doesn't even say a word. He extends a hand and he lifts up this unnamed woman and just like that, he has proclaimed the fullness of the good news. And that single silent action, he lifts this woman up and this woman without provocation knows what she must do next. Without even thinking, without even being told, the woman begins to serve. Work begets more work. She becomes the first deacon named in scripture, right? That word to serve comes from the Greek word diakoneo, the word from which we derive the word deacon. This woman, unnamed, restored to health, is restored not for her own sake, but for the sake of the greater community for whom she has been called to serve. And in serving, she begins to engage in the very work that Jesus has set out to do. In serving others, she is proclaiming the nearness of God's kingdom. And what I love is in this assembly, we have a particular connection with this kind of service because we know what it's like to call a deacon to serve. Deacon Christine, you may remember her, right? A close friend of mine and, and former colleague here. She is an ordained deacon. And what I love about deacons in the ELCA is that while I am a pastor, right, and I am word and sacrament, her title was a minister of word and guess what? Service. And that's really beautiful because we see what that service looks like. We can connect a face to it. We can see that Deacon Christine stands in the very shoes of this very much important unnamed woman in our gospel today and that is a deep-rooted connection. Have you not known? Have you not heard? This Jesus guy is healing everybody. That's what I imagine the words must have been as all of Capernaum comes out with their sick and their dying and their possessed to experience newness in Jesus. We're told that by sundown, the entire village was standing outside of this house. In other words, Think about how bold the proclamation that one single silent healing was, that the entire town is now there to experience it for themselves. And what's even better, and this is my favorite detail in the gospel, the proclamation is so loud that the demons themselves begin to want to proclaim who Jesus is, and he has to shush them. He's like, yo, guys, not yet, right? Like, give me some time. But that's pretty cool. Even the demons being cast out cannot help but proclaim who Jesus is. Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh, present in the midst of sickness and suffering. And I think that's what makes the good news so unique. That's what makes this proclamation of God's kingdom, God's reign so special. It's the fact that this God and this reign is found in the places we least expect, namely in the midst of our, of our suffering, in the midst of death, in the midst of sickness. That's 
where God meets us. One of the things that I've realized in my ministry is that I have a very weird job, right? I'm just going to say it out loud. It's a weird, weird job. And the first thing is people are always unsure how to interact with me, right? When I go to a party and someone asks, oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. Boom, party's over. Immediately, immediately people look at me and they start apologizing. It's like this weird confession thing. They like freak out and they're like, well, I don't normally party like this and I've never sworn in my life and I swear to you I didn't cheat in third grade on that math test. It didn't happen. Wow, right? People really open up. And, and what I've realized, that puts me in very unexpected and weird situations. But I've learned to embrace that, right? And yesterday was a good example. Uh, yesterday, a beautiful day, I was asked to preside over a graveside service for a complete stranger, right? Because that's the kind of things you do as a pastor. Weeks ago, I received a call from a person I never met on the other line telling me that their mother had just died and their mother was a, long, a lifelong faithful Lutheran and that they didn't have any connections with the Lutheran pastor. And so they literally like Googled me and like cold called me to be present in this moment. Like, wow, right? And so what do we do? I, I jumped into gear, I checked my schedule and said, sure, I got a basketball game I don't want to go to, perfect, right? This is a, a mutually beneficial opportunity. So we met. And, and on Zoom we met, which meant that as I walked up to the gravesite at Elmlawn, right, that was the first time I'd met this family. And as I'm walking up and as I'm shaking hands and making that first like in-person introduction, it dawned on me, what am I doing here? I am an outsider. This is a moment that this family is going to remember for the rest of their lives. I am a stranger to them. And yet they are inviting me in to share in this moment. And it's in that moment, you know what I realized? I knew I was there. I knew that in that moment, my job was no different than the job that Jesus proclaims today. My job as the pastor, as the stranger, right, walking into this very unexpected place was to proclaim the good news to a family in the midst of their grief. And as I started to preach the sermon, and as I shared the pieces of their mother's life that they shared with me, it all became so clear. Nearly to the point where I wanted to preach, have you not known that in Christ we find an eternal home? Have you not heard that we share in Christ's death and in Christ's resurrection? Because that's the good news. Even in the midst of their grief, there was good news to be had. And I was invited in as a stranger to share it. And that is a privilege that I so deeply appreciate. And it got me thinking. It got me back to Isaiah, right? I just love this Isaiah text. Isaiah says this, God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength to be lifted up like on eagles' wings. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not be faint. This. This is the power of prophetic voices. This is the, the power of prophetic vision. These are the precursors long before Jesus walked the earth that laid the foundation for who God is and what God's reign shall be. A God who says, when you are weary, I will lift you up. When you are impatient in the midst of struggle, I will renew your strength. When you are ready to walk the other way, I'm going to run after you. And that's really powerful. In fact, that gets me back to that service yesterday. 
We read the 23rd Psalm, and that's the promise that I always take with me. I shall pursue you all the days of your life. When we are ready to turn our back on this good news, God doesn't just stand there and wait. God pursues us, even and especially in the deepest and darkest valleys that we face. And that, that is true proclamation of true good news. But as I said, Jesus' proclamation isn't limited to his sermons. I mean, don't get me wrong, sermons are important. That's how I make a living, right? It's these great sermons I preach every Sunday. I get it, I know. But it's more than that. And if we take a step back, you'll see it throughout the gospel, right? When Jesus goes and he feeds the hungry, he's proclaiming the kingdom. When he gathers in and welcomes the outcaster, the stranger, the marginalized, guess what? He's proclaiming the kingdom. When he protects the vulnerable, he proclaims the kingdom. When he heals the sick, he proclaims the kingdom. When he goes and he redeems the repentant, he, re he is proclaiming the kingdom. What I love is about each and every one of these moments of proclamation share one thing in common, that they are rooted in love. That, you see, that is the key. Have you not known? Have you not heard? God loves you. In fact, I'm told, God loves you so much that God chose to give God's only son to lift him on the cross that you too may be lifted up each and every moment of your lives. So when your life is interrupted by suffering, I think we need to be more like these disciples today. We have to be bold enough to interrupt God, to say, look, I can't do this on my own, and know that God will respond, God will come to us, that God will hear us and share with us the good news. And when we are fortunate enough to be in the position where things are going well, we must be willing to let our lives be interrupted. Why? So that we can go and share that good news with those around us whether it be in our words, in our actions, or our service to others. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to serve others. And that's why we must take the example of this unnamed deacon in our story today. That we see that we share the same job of proclamation. So thanks be to God for the invitation this day and always. Amen.